If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to 2 Timothy 2, we're going to be reading chapter, uh, verses 1 through 7, and the title of my message is The Strength Found in Grace. The Strength Found in Grace, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. But just by way of introduction, I'm sure we all know the relationship that Timothy and Paul had, but just in case some of us here don't have visibility on that, I wanted just to share a few points with you. Timothy was a young man that Paul helped come to Christ, and he ended up becoming Paul's loyal companion. And he went with Paul and ministered in various cities right around the world, and also was with him in prison in Rome. And he helped Paul write no less than five of his letters, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, and Ephesians. And obviously we know Paul, he's an amazing man of God at this point, and he's living life, serving God in the best way that he knew how. But he was traveling extensively right around the world, and it meant he was largely very lonely because he had many demands on his time. He never spent too much time in any one place. He was always on the move. And so it would have been very hard for Paul to have built healthy, wholesome relationships. But he also, it's worth noting with Paul, that he had a lot of people around him, but I suspect very few of them would actually have known him very, very well. Because when Paul was popular, everyone thought they were his friend, but when Paul was in trouble, those friends would often disappear. And I'm sure there's one or two of us that can relate to that here this afternoon. And just by way of information for you, we read in 2 Timothy 4 that Paul actually wrote to Timothy near the end of his life and confessed to being lonely and asked him to go and join with him. And so this afternoon, I want us to explore relationships, relationships in the body of Christ. Amen? It's so important for us as Christians that we live out a life that honors God. And we'll specifically be looking at Paul and Timothy. So 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and in the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather he tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And the first word that I want us to really focus on this afternoon is strong. Amen? He says to him, be strong. You know, life often renders us weak. Sin causes us to be incapable of moving forward. Life causes us to be weak in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our mindsets, in our approach to life. And life can often be like a battering ram, you know, like London buses. Often we will have nothing happening massively bad in our lives for months at a time. And then like London buses, three big issues will come along at a time. Does anyone bear witness to that or is it just me this afternoon? I'm sure we can all confess they're going through trials. But what Paul here is saying is he is taking us in that moment and placing us in the framework of God's 
grace. God's grace. That's God's unmerited favor in our lives. And Paul told the church in Rome that when you know God, you have an invitation to become participators of the spheres of God's grace. And the spheres of God's grace is every single attribute of God on display in your life. Every good attribute. So that's joy, that's compassion, that's love, that's kindness. Everything that we can say about God is freely made available to us. Everything that we've received, God has blessed us with. And so Paul looks at his son and he says to him, my prayer for you is that you will become strong in what? Strong in grace, which means that all God is, is sufficient in all that you pertain to be. Why? You belong to him. And so he is stating to Timothy who he is in this context. And if we read verse 2, we need to develop a culture of relay running. Relay running. We must learn to pass on everything that we've learned. Whether it's sitting in a cell group and you've had a Bible study and you've learned something new about the Bible. Whether it's you've had an amazing time in prayer and intercession at a Wednesday prayer meeting. Whether it's you've evangelized your friend that you've been trying to reach to at your workplace and they finally come to Christ and you're like, well, I don't know what to do now. You know, you want to pass them to somebody else. What, what he is saying here is, it's time to grow. It's time to really move forward. And in verses 3 through 6, we see the framework for that. And in verse 7, he gives us the answer. The Lord will give you insight. And I always find this an absorbing passage of Scripture because Paul here paints three metaphoric pictures pictures that will help you and I today understand what we need in order to grow in grace. And so the first image here is fight like a soldier. And that should appear on the screen behind me. If it does, say amen. Amen. Paul invokes this attitude of warfare for one reason and one reason only. Life is a battlefield. You go out onto the streets of London, gangs, people knifing each other, fights in schools, division right across the city. You read it in the newspapers, countries going to war with other countries. War is prevalent in our society. And what he is saying here is, you've got to fight like a soldier. Scripture's clear, be sober and vigilant because the devil is looking for who he can devour. Be alert. War and warfare is very rarely outside the public focus. And so within the framework of fight like a soldier, he gives him three principles. One, enduring. Basically, don't quit. That's as much theology as I can give you this afternoon. Don't quit. Don't quit fighting the good fight of faith. Don't quit standing on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus. Don't quit coming to church. Don't quit your relationship with Jesus. Don't quit building relationships in the body of Christ. Because if you quit, you're dead. He is invoking fathers, sons, mothers and daughters to keep fighting. And I believe that there's someone here today that's thought about quitting. You've, you're at the point of no return. You want to give up. I encourage you, don't quit. The second attribute he highlights here in fighting like a soldier is faithfulness. Do not take detours. Amen? Faithfulness is implied that you are completely committed to the journey and to the course that Christ has placed you on. It's like a marriage. You know, I've got years of experience in that area. 
No. But those of you who are married, you'll know this. God tells us, even in the context of marriage, you have to fight like a soldier. Being faithful in your marriage means that you don't have God's blessings to take detours whenever you like. For the men, your eyes, your passion, your faithfulness, your loyalty, your commitment is squarely with one woman. Nobody else. No detours. Amen? So a slight side note for the men here. Do not be foolish in thinking that your wives don't look at your eyes when you go out for a dinner in a restaurant. If you are working the room, don't think that your wife doesn't see that. They are super smart. Women are the best. So, you know, I encourage you men, stay faithful, stay loyal. Can the ladies give me an amen? Amen. <laughs> but no, serious, serious comment. Don't, don't do it. Because you're weakening yourself, men. You're weakening yourself. You are making yourself vulnerable. And that's why Paul says, fight like a soldier. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep fighting. But the third one is significant. Be focused. The soldier always obeys his commanding officer. A focused soldier obeys commands. We're soldiers for Christ. A focused soldier knows who his men are. He understands the weapons. Your greatest weapons are the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Word of God. Those are your three strongest weapons. And men, listen to me, you need to invoke them every single day. Never take your eyes off the enemy. A good soldier will never take his eyes off the enemy. He will always be alert. No turning their back. Because the enemy knows what your Achilles heel is whether it's that addiction, whether it's that mindset, whether it's that unforgiveness in your heart, whatever your Achilles heals, the enemy knows what it is and he will use it to his advantage at the earliest opportunity. And so I encourage you, stay focused. A focused soldier is always prepared to die. And that's why Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. I want every single person, by the time you leave here today, to be able to look the next person in the eye and say, I'm prepared to lay it all down on the line for Christ every single day. That's the moment you leave the building. That's not 9 a.m. tomorrow morning when you face your boss. That is today when you leave the building. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And what I find staggering here is that Paul has barely finished giving his first illustration, and he's straight on to his second illustration. Run like an athlete. Next image should be behind you. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And so the first principle to draw from that is you've got to be sure of your call. You've got to know what your calling is. So if we look at Usain Bolt, if you watched him recently at Soccer Aid trying to play football, it was a hot mess. He was no good. He was not designed by God to play football. But dear Mr. Bolt is quite good at running, I understand. He has a number of gold medals. So you've got to be sure of your call. What has God called of you? What is he calling you to do today? A second attribute that an athlete has is they are always focused on the finish line. Every single time. They're always prepared. On your marks, get set, go. They're looking for the finish line, the end goal, the end result. And so we have to learn to run 
with the end goal in sight. Even Mr. Bolt only does it right when he gets to the finish line, doesn't he? He just has a little glance left and a little glance right to see where everyone else is. But at the start, his head's down, he's looking, and he's got the same finish line as everybody else. Every person here in Christ, we have the same finish line. But we have to run our race. And so men in particular, I want you to lift your head up today. We have a great spiritual race to run on this earth. And what you will find is time just goes by. It just goes by without even knowing it. And we give up every single day opportunities to run our race for Christ because we get bogged down by the issues of life. We get bogged down by the challenges. We get bogged down by the day-to-day activities. But the third thing, and I would encourage you, if you've never been to Bible school, get involved. This is really important. We have to be sound in our doctrine. We have to be sound in our doctrine. He says there very clearly, run according to the rules. He competes according to the rules. So God is saying to you, how are you going to honor those rules? In the same way, if you see those eight athletes that are running the 100 meters, they can't dive in to the lane to their left or their right. They have a lane. They have to stay within the rules. They can't decide to jump the gun. If they do, they end up getting disqualified. And I know that none of us are going to get disqualified in our walk with God. Amen? Ever heard somebody say to you, I know that God says this, but, or, well, you know, I think he's told me to do this, but, those are the people who seem to endorse uh, a man whose song, admittedly, I do know, a very famous man by the name of Frank Sinatra. Does anyone know who Frank Sinatra is? Yeah? You know the song, I Did It My Way? No Christian should ever say that. I did it my way. I'd never want to hear that. I did it his way and only his way. Because outside of God's will for our life, there is no joy. Amen? And he's dead, by the way, Sinatra, just in case you were wondering. Why do I say be sound in your doctrine? Make no mistake, weak theology leads to weak lifestyle. If you're making notes, that's quite important. Weak theology leads to a very weak lifestyle. You give yourself permission to live any which way that you want. And we have to decide that we're going to live by God's standards. Standards that I would add are possible and achievable. And so straight away already we've seen two great pictures. Fight like a soldier, run like an athlete. These are things that we can achieve in our Christian walk that will bring God glory. But the final picture is the one that I find really interesting. Work like a farmer. So there should be an image of a farmer. It was hard for me to find one. I'm sorry if you don't like it. In verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And when you think about it, you know, fight like a soldier, run like an athlete, these are all, these are cool. Like for the men in particular, we can buy into that. But farming, like it's a little bit off-piste, at least in my thinking. So why does he say that? There's no natural, there's no obvious reason for it. But then I began to read it and read it and then read verse 7, which we'll get to in a minute. One principle to draw from that. Be disciplined in your work. Be disciplined in your work. When you think of the farming industry, they are amongst the most disciplined people across every industry. They're up at 4 or 5 a.m. They are plowing the fields. They are feeding the cows. They are 
doing whatever else that they need to do, irrespective of the weather, irrespective of whether they fancy it, irrespective of whether their boss is at work that day or not, they're out there. Ministry is hard work. Never think that you've arrived. Never be satisfied. If you love, love more. If you give, give more. If you're already serving, serve more. Because there is so much more for us to achieve when we are in God's will, when we are fighting that good fight of faith, when we are living the way God wants us to, everything is possible. But the second element, and this is where I think for us as Christians we often fall short, is we actually have to practice what we preach. And I know it's tough, but we actually do. And I think it's an area that we need to look at. The farmer should be the first to eat of what? His crop. Do you know what he's saying? He is saying, make certain that you eat the same food that you serve. Think about it. Make sure that you eat from the same table from which you serve other people. Don't expect people to do stuff that you would never do. Weak leadership is dictatorial. You do that. But you've actually got to ask yourself, would you do what you've asked them to do? And as a, as a leader in any capacity, a leader should never ask someone to do something that they themselves wouldn't do. So if you take something like, I don't know, I want to go do homeless outreach. That's a good example. Last Friday of the month, I try as much as possible to get out there. But I can't tell the guys that I disciple, hey, it's super important that y'all go and do homeless outreach, but I'm watching the football. Or I'm having an early night. Or I just can't be bothered. What does it say? It says that I don't actually live that out. And they're not going to buy into what I'm trying to achieve in their lives. And so for us as Christians, we have to champion one another. We have to honor one another and encourage one another in this. The picture of the farmer is beautiful in my mind because it's discipline. It's discipline. And that's what God is wanting for us. And so Paul is looking into our hearts with those three images. And he gives us the answer in verse 7. God in and through Jesus Christ Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Verse 7, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And so here are some thoughts that we can unpack that can help us in that. We all need a friend. Amen? I'd be really worried if I took randomly, I don't know, somebody's phone here opened up the contacts list and there's not a number there. That'd be awkward. We all need a friend. We all need somebody that we can rely on, somebody that we can depend on, somebody that we can engage in conversation with and share the deepest recesses of our heart, those most acute sources of shame, those moments where we've been so discouraged that we want to give up, those moments where we've just, enough is enough, no more, I'm out. People that will build us up. But we also, we need to recognize ourselves that we need to be a good friend. Now, that might seem a little obvious, but it's really important. We need to be a good friend in order to gain good friends. And therefore, we must give of ourselves. Yep, 100%. Some people are going to take advantage of you. It's going to happen. The moment you put yourself out there, people will take advantage of you. But most won't. And so the good will outweigh the bad. And God, thinks, God makes all things work together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purposes. So if you make friends with someone and they take full advantage of you and just abuse 
whatever blessings you've given them or whatever opportunities you're trying to help them with, don't worry. You're doing God's will. God will bless it back to you tenfold or a hundredfold. Amen? Number three, patience is vital. The first attribute of love described in 1 Corinthians 13 is, someone shout it out, love is patient. Love is first patient, then it is kind. But for in order for it to be kind, it's got to be patient. We've got to be patient with one another in helping each other grow in our walk. Friendships do not develop overnight. They develop over time. If you put yourself out there, you make yourself available, the Holy Spirit will be the great filter and will filter the wrong people out. Oh no, sorry, the right people in and the wrong people out. You know what I mean? Just imagine the pastor with the colander, right? The bad people are the water. Pastor, the good people. Amen? The one you want to build friendships with people that will stand with you through the tough times, the ones that will share in your joy and your sorrow. And the way we do that is by being a good disciple. The best way to learn about friendship is to be a good disciple. Have you noticed that as we get involved in other people's lives, as we give of our own lives, as we are committed for the long haul in building one another up, that the Jesus in you witnesses to the Jesus in me, things come alive. Things change, situations change, hearts change, unity is built, love is demonstrated, service is on display because Christ is getting all the glory. But also, as we serve the Lord, we grow together. And that's really important. We're not in a race with or against each other. We are running our race to win the prize that we all get to glory. We all get to glory. And as we draw on the example of Christ, we become better friends to one another. And as we learn more about his commitment to us, we find ourselves being more committed to one another. And so maybe then the world will be able to look at our lives and say, I see Jesus in each and every person in this room. Because nobody has it all together. Nobody. If you ever meet somebody that says, hey, I've got it all together, they are king of their own castle. They are lord of their own life. Straight off the bat. But actually, we have an opportunity today to place our trust where our trust has been earned in God's word and in his promises. And he wants us to walk in a way that brings him honor, that brings him glory, because he alone is worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. And so it's a, it's a radical call today. We've seen three images. Fight like a soldier. Some of us have got to pick up ourselves up and carry on fighting. We've got to get back into that race that God has called us to run. We've got to stand and then stand again. You read it about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. When you've done everything else, do what? Stand and stand again, i.e. don't quit. Faithful endurance. Run like an athlete. Athletes are disciplined, they're determined, and they know who they are. They know what their talents are. They know what their capabilities are, and they're prepared to pay the price. I guarantee you this, Mr. Bolt doesn't eat Big Mac. Guarantee it. And thirdly, work like a farmer. Often we have to break up the ground in our own hearts, the unforgiveness that we've buried, the burdens that we carry, the sources of shame that we've not surrendered, the struggles in our childhood, situations that may be we don't want to talk about. 
But if we want to move forward, we've got to work like a farmer. We've got to sow seeds into other people's lives. Anyone that knows me, you'll know that Proverbs is my favorite book in the scriptures, because I can always think you can't get any more wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs, just like one verse, and that's like me for the whole year. But Proverbs 11.25, he who waters will himself be watered. It's a kingdom principle, that as you sow, you reap. As you serve, as you give of yourself, as you are intentional in building these intimate relationships in the body of Christ, somebody will pour into your life unexpectedly. And I'm sure there's not a person in this room that wouldn't be able to testify to that. But we have to position ourselves, friends, which means we have to let go of the stuff that's weighing us down. We have to let go of the things that are holding us back, the people, the situations, the challenges that are holding us back and actually say, well, you know what, here I am. Here I am. I'm not Lord of my own life. I want to run like an athlete. I want to fight like a soldier. I want to work the field out there, London and the world for Christ. I want to work that field for God's glory. And I want to sow seeds wherever you are, wherever your workplace is. It doesn't matter. That's your field. So dig the soil. So water it. Watch it grow. Watch it grow. And if you don't know what you're doing, Get in touch with someone that does know what they're doing. So if you're not in a cell group, get connected to a cell group. Your cell leader will help you. Easy. But then we're able to grow together in the things of God. And that's what God wants for us this afternoon, I believe, in our heart of hearts. He wants to build unity. He wants us to have the intimacy of relationship that Paul and Timothy had. And it was very much a father-son relationship. So you might need a father figure. You might need a role model. You might need a mentor. I'm not bothered by what the word is. Fill the gap in yourself. You will know. You've got to go find someone. But the first person you need to find is you've got to find someone who's radical. Paul was radical. He lived it out. He was prepared to count the cost. And he knew what that cost was and he was prepared to pay it. And if you read it, he went through every single trial that you can possibly imagine. And it didn't weaken him. It didn't discourage him. I would argue it probably strengthened him. So every trial that you're facing today... If you give it into God's hands, you share that problem with somebody else, you will be able to grow. You will be strengthened in your walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen? So I just want to encourage every single person here that as God speaks to your heart, allow yourself to be positioned in a way to move forward where we can let go of some of the things, some of the places, some of the situations, some of the challenges, and actually move forward in our walk with God. And for some of us, that might be very painful because we're digging up stuff from our childhood, from our lives. So if I said, you know, what's the biggest source of pain? For most of us, it would relate to a person, a date, and a place. And some of you already know what that is in your own life. And God is wanting us to bring that to the altar and leave it there today so that we can pursue these intimate friendships. So where there's trust, we grow and we move forward together in the things of God. Amen? So I'd like us to bow our head in prayer just for a moment. Father, we thank you this afternoon that your word brings life. Thank you, Lord, for every open heart here that's receptive to you, receptive to the word. I pray right now, Father, that you would change us, you would mold us, shape us. We're so grateful to be your son, to be your daughter in Christ. We're thankful that we're your people. 
I pray right now, Father, for you to build intimacy, build relationship with each other in this place, Father, that you would change and shape us into your image, Father, who you created us to be, that you would remove every blockage, remove every struggle, remove every mindset, Father, that seeks to bring discouragement, that seeks to bring division into the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, that even in the coming days and weeks that there would be divine appointments between every single person in this room, that they would be connected to other believers in the body of Christ, that they would grow and they would move forward in their journey with you, Father, that they would recognize that they are a son of the Most High God, that you are working and operating in every single area of their lives. And I pray that the power of the Spirit of God would descend and bring healing into every single heart under the sound of my voice right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would release wholeness, release victory, bring deliverance, Father, where there's been, been situations that have brought people down, that have torn people away from your plan and your purpose. I pray today you would place them back on the solid rock that is Christ Jesus, Father, that you would realign their faith, that you would rebuild their trust and their confidence in other people, Father, that you would bring a Paul around every single Timothy that's in this room today, Father, and that they would build and grow in the kingdom of God for your glory, that we would stand and fight the good fight of faith like soldiers, Father, that we would run our race, Father, like athletes, not any athlete, Father, but the best of the best of the best. And that, Father, that you would use every single person here, where they do life, where they work, where they serve, whether at the university, wherever they are, Father, that would be their harvest field. Help them toil the ground. Help them, Father, to grow in everything that you have for them, in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.